0: We're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up, you're tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, i about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 61, not sure if there's going to be a 62, but thank you for joining. As always, we have a great episode for you guys. Today, Brittany starts off the show with a question about the differences in practice when you have a team with a lot of returners versus when you have a team that has a bunch of new athletes. The question of the week is about the books I recommend to coaches, so get your pens and pencils. I'm going to list every book you need to have to be a successful coach. And there's always drama on Britney's Cheer Mom page, so we'll dive into that and let you know what's going on there. And We'll both react and give you the tea. But before we get into that, this is usually where I tell you guys to go and share the podcast, but I'm just going to give a shout out to my boy Earl. Earl, like clockwork, you share the podcast, and for real, for real, from the bottom of my heart, I really, really appreciate that. For those of you guys who are new, welcome. We have new episodes out every Tuesday morning. So listen while you're driving to work, while you're doing the dishes, or you're just lounging around. I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life running a program managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with parents. And on the other side of the microphone is a real-life cheer mom who represents all of you parent listeners and asks all the questions that you guys have at home. Don't be less when you can be more. Be more. So you ended yesterday when we talked with a question about... It was off-air question. I thought, oh, that's a good question. Let's actually answer that first thing on the next episode. So... Go ahead, refresh, well, refresh my memory and the audience, what we're actually talking about right now.
1: So my question to you yesterday um, was, if you have a lot of returners um, on a team, like majority of them, do you spend a lot of time in the summer building a foundation and skills and going over those things? Or do you spend some time on them and move to other things?
0: Be more. Great question. That's why you're on the show. So here we go. Um, And so, yeah, let's hop into talking about just the first day. Because last episode that we were on together, we talked about tryouts and then team placements, trust in the process, that whole thing. And now let's actually hop into like the first couple of practices and what we do or what you should see or kind of like my philosophy on that. So I, I believe. And then I'll really tackle like your specific question, but with the first sets of practices, you know, specifically, I guess that first week or a couple of weeks, you're really trying to set the, again, the foundation and more the foundation, not as far as skills are concerned. Like, yes, we're talking about skills, but more of the culture and the expectations that you want in the gym. So you know, our first day of practice, we take the athletes outside and we do this whole ceremony. So we go outside and I explain to them what I expect from them as a coach. This is what I expect from you as an athlete. You need to do X, Y, and Z. You can expect this from us as coaches. We're going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. We ask them what their goals are, We tell them different ways on how we can reach those goals. And we kind of just get on the same page as far as expectations. Then I end the ceremony with like this we over me speech. Just talking about every, at every point in every season, every athlete comes to a point where they don't like the way the routine is going, where they are just like, I I hate you know this you know I I really like that I made the level three team, but you know I really don't like my flyer or I wish I was flying like I I'm not flying anymore now I'm basing, and or you know I really like that I get to do the standing two back handsprings but I'm all the way in the back. Well, good for you. You're in the you know you're in the back. At least you're in. And some kids aren't even in it, right? And so this whole thing, I tell them that every person experiences this. I I don't, I'm not quite happy with what I, with, with the routine or with the team or whatever, right? My position on the team. And I tell them though, we over me. I give them this whole, you know, we got to be we over me because everyone experiences that. And we can either let that tear us down and we can whine, complain, make excuses and bring down the team. Or we can simply say, you know what? I'm going to choose to eagerly put the team before my, my personal interest. And so we're doing all this outside. And we say, by walking through these doors, you are agreeing that you're going to put the we over the me. This is a contract, guys. So they go and they walk through the doors. And it's not like kids don't complain or get mad. But I think it's a good... I at least know that we went over that that scenario is going to happen at some point. And it's easy for me to... It's a good reference point for me to go back to and go, Hey, remember when I told you that this was going to happen? So that's like kind of the first thing that we do. We'll play a lot of games with the kids. And what I really like about the games, even if they're returners, right? Even if it's a team full of returners, what I really like about the games is that none of them are cheer related. They're all just regular games, but especially when we have to work in groups, you can see who the leaders are. Because usually when we do sports, like the captain is usually just the best player on the team this guy's the best Mm -hmm. basketball player on the team this girl's the best softball player on the team right this is the best tumbler on the team and they kind of become the the captains and the leaders but that's not necessarily who should be leading the team and so when we do those games you can see who the who the natural leaders are and who like kind of takes control And like, hey, like, you know, you can see these different personalities emerge. I just saw it the other day with Youth Black, right? There's some really talented, like, younger kids on the team, right? Really talented kids, but they're not necessarily the leaders of the group just because they have, you know, X, Y, and Z skills. And there's some older kids on the team with maybe not as many skills, but I saw their leadership. I saw them, like, really step up as leaders in this game. We played, um, what game do we play? What up, guys? I actually got a FaceTime call in the middle of recording that. And, you know, as you can guess, that ruined the recording. So anyway, just letting you know. So the game we played, the athletes had to rearrange themselves according to their last name without using any words back to the program. And, you know, but it was cool to see the athletes. It was cool to see the athletes who really were leaders start to rearrange And, you know, okay, here's a here's a plan and here's how we should, you know, go about executing the plan. So that's what you want to do. You want to play games like that with the athletes to really demonstrate. And so you as a coach can find out who our true leaders are on the team that don't have anything to do with the skills they have as an athlete. All right. But getting back to your original question. Right. And I think you were more talking about Mm -hmm. actual skills, backhand springs you know, actual skills. If we have a team full of returners, do we spend as much time with the foundational skills? You know, retur- I actually, I did, this is a good, this is good advice for all the coaches out there. One summer. I am not sure if I've told this story before, but one summer <laughs> I called every coach that I knew ever across the nation. And I, I had a list of questions, a through Z and list of questions. And I would call a coach. Hey, I know a coach at Cheer Athletics. Hey, I know a coach at Stingrays. I know a coach here. And I called all these different coaches and just asked them my list of questions. Coaches, dude, I really encourage you. I learned a lot of things that summer. And one of the things I, I heard, I heard this from a Stingrays coach. And he said, does, mm-hmm. does retention, does winning build retention or does retention build winning? And as soon as he said that, it like clicked in my brain. Oh my gosh, retention builds winning. That it's not, you know, we all think if we win, then the kids will keep wanting to come back, but it's actually the other way around. If we get the kids to come back, we can start to win because you need to have kids who know the system and understand the system. And that's how you really start to build momentum, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have a team full of returners, we still do touch on – I still want to build the foundations. One, for a couple of reasons. One For a couple of reasons, but you don't have to spend as much time on them. But the first reason is you want to set the standard of what you want to look like during the season. So you start with super basic stuff, right? Low VT, high V touchdown. We have a team full of returners. All the kids understand what a low VT, high V touchdown is, but we want to set the standard of what we want them to look like when we go to the summit, right? When we go to NCA, when we go to spirit sports, we want to set that. This is only thing that's acceptable in this gym is that you do it to this standard, right? And it's super easy for them to do it because it's something they've done forever now, right? It's super easy. And we do that with stunts and tumbling, right? We're going to start with sponges. We do our thing called the two foot drill, which is just a series of basically level one and level two skills, really easy show and go sponges, all this really simple stuff. But we hold them to a ridiculous standard. Like this is the way we are going to stunt when we, anytime we put a stunt in there. So by the time we get to the summit, we're not trying to reach a standard that we've never previously held them to. We held them to that standard starting from day one of practices when we were doing sponges. And then when we moved on from sponges to preps, we still held them to that standard. And then when we moved from preps to extensions, we still held them to that standard. So the kids understand, like, I know what my coach expects of me. I know what I expect of myself. Like, I know what the standard is. And we've been doing Mm -hmm. that all year long, building up through our progressions to do that, right? So we want to spend as much time on those things, but I do want to make sure they understand, you know, what the standard is. Um, Okay. But, you know, but we'll start, we will start, we will start over, but with a team full of returners, we don't have to stay as long on those things. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Makes total sense. So if you don't stay as long on those things, do you just get right into the next thing that you guys have planned?
0: Yeah, so the first part of the um, season is you have to go through, like our first month, we're going to do all those things. We're going to be super basic. And before we get into those, let's say we want to do standing two back handsprings, toe touch, one back handspring, right? So we have to, and that's like our elite pass that we're going to throw. We have to do standing one back handspring and we have to throw standing two back handsprings and we have to be able to throw standing three back handsprings, right? And so, and no matter what our elite sequence is for level three, we have to be able to do a straight up lib. We have to be able to do a straight up opposite lib. Like there's these bulk basics that we have to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So... Like the first month, we're really just focused on mastering and perfecting these bulk basics that these bu- that we're making these bulk basics like just phenomenal, that they're just great. And as they're getting better, we'll start to increase the difficulty. So maybe we're doing straight up lib, sponge down, you know, set out, straight up opposite lib. We'll try to increase the difficulty. Now we're going to do straight up opposite lib, Sponge down, immediate, straight up, regular lib. And we'll just try to increase the difficulty of like these bulk basic things because they can use these like kind of connective, these connecting skills later on. And so we will move on, but I really want them to understand, the better, there's this thing called bright spots, which I'm sure I've talked about on the podcast, but bright spot is when you allow the athletes to work on things they're already good at, it, want, it keeps the athletes engaged. Like Everyone likes to be good at what they're doing. So when you allow them to work on things they're already good at, they will, they will work harder for you because they're good at it, right? They're not discouraged. And it makes them want to come to practice more. So we want to make sure we give them opportunities to work on things they're already good at. And the better we get at the basics, the better we get at the more advanced skills. So, you know, you see Olympic gymnasts. I hear something crazy where they do like 100 handstands like a day, right? And You're right, a handstand, pretty basic, but it's so foundational that they need to make sure that they're constantly reinforcing that handstand position because it shows up so frequently in everything that they do. So we want to make sure that we are reinforcing everything that is going to continue to show up over and over and over again, right? So hollow body shape, you want to make sure that you continue to reinforce that hollow body shape because it shows up so much in tumbling. You want to make sure that you're reinforcing we do this thing called the pop drill um, that we really need in stunting. We make sure we reinforce another thing called the drop lock drill that we always do in stunting. we to make sure we reinforce like standing on your both sides of your legs. So there's always like these basic things. We make sure we reinforce grips like crazy. So there's all these like basic things that you want to make sure that you reinforce, 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 because it shows up forever and ever and ever and ever in stunting and tumbling. You want to make sure that you, that that foundation is solid because you can't you can't build on a cracky foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, good to know.
0: That's you know really good to know. So coaches out there, build that foundation. You want your kids during the summer to be as strong as possible, right? You want to condition, make them as strong as possible, and you want to really make sure that you reinforce like all the bulk basic skills that you need that way you can build on that foundation because you're going to need that foundation especially when it comes to because when the kids the kids revert down to their basic level of training when they get into that routine they revert down to that basic level of training and when they need to save a stunt you know it's going to come down you know have they practiced the right grips? You know, have our have our flyers practice just standing on one leg, no matter what the situation is going on underneath of them? So they go back to that basic level of training. So you want to make sure that that foundation is really, really sturdy. That way they can be, um, you know, successful. That way they can rely on it when they need it. All right, here we go. So let's get into our Sounds Like That quote of the week. So Sounds Like That, actually, what's really cool, what I like about Sounds Like That, you can get a custom eight-count tracks. We haven't had one in a couple of years, but i requested from our music producer, Casey, from Sounds Like That, to make us another American Cheer custom eight-count track. So, you know, it's, you know, the red, white, and blue, five, six, seven, eight, da-da-da. So, you know, if you want to get a custom eight-count track or you want to get hot-fire music like American Cheer, go to Sounds Like That. Tell them that that Jason and Britney... And it sounds like that podcast sent you our, our, official music producer for the let's talk to your podcast. B hit us up with that question of the week.
1: Okay. So question of the week says, hi, Jason. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I am new to coaching elite teams this season and looking to grow my coaching toolkit. I took some notes on the most recent episode of the pod but wondering if you can list out some more books like the ones from your book club. There we go. End quote. Love that they said the pod, because I know me and you say it a lot. So it was cool to hear someone else say it. The
0: pod. Yeah. We got a, hey, you want a pod today? Let's pod. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to hop <laughs> on and record a audio podcast? <laughs> nope. We've got a pod. All right. So got a list of books. This is a, it depends on how you want to count numbers, but this is, This is like a legit, solid list of books here. I am going to link all of them in the description below or in the show notes. Also, in the show notes, party people, take the survey. Take the survey. Also, if you want to make a small financial donation to the podcast, you can. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can make a financial donation. Did you know that for 99 cents a month, you can get 10 vegetable dumplings from a food stand in Shanghai? I did not know that. Guys, I looked up a bunch of different facts about what you can buy with a dollar, so I can always spin them out. <laughs> and that's one of them. Ten vegetable dumplings <laughs> from Shanghai. So if you ever go to Shanghai, be just know. You can eat. Um, all right, here we go. I got So I got a list of books. Uh, I get off on that tangent just to say they're in the description if you want to buy them off of Amazon. Uh, here we go. So the first one is... There are my coaching books. Some of them. Well, no, this is the only one that's not specifically coaching, I think. But you need it as a coach. The first one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is a super good book. It's a very good book just about how to have a basic conversation with a person. You know, I it was suggested to me, or I, I was a part of a book club for a while. And it was on the list. And so, you know, you hear it how to win friends and influence people. And I'm thinking, I'm going to make so many new friends. But it's not really about making friends. It's really about how to have a conversation with another person. And that's basically it. It's just about how to have a good conversation with someone. And so it's so, it's so good. It's about leadership. So, like, you know, if you're, if you manage people or if you're a coach or, you know, if you have to talk to anyone in the world, This is a good book to read. And it's so cool because one year, I was already here at American, but I had read this book back in the day when I was coaching at PCM and CBU. And one of my athletes had taken a picture of the book. Like she had got the book, read the book, took a picture of it and said, hey, coach, have you ever read this book? I think you'd really like it. The book does so, you do so many things that are in this book. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's like one of my favorite all-time books for sure. So How to Win Friends, Influence People, really, really good book. I think that that is the first book I would start off with is just simply how to talk to people. Next, I would suggest basically anything Coach Wooden. Anything Coach Wooden. The first book I read was called The Greatest Coach Ever, I think it was called The Greatest Coach Ever, The Greatest Coach of All Time. My mom gave that book to me as like a, she gave me like a care package type thing when I got my first coaching job. And I was like, you are officially a coach. Here you go, Jason. And it was just about his coaching style. But when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, this Coach Wooden guy was, he really was the greatest coach ever. And then after that, I got a book. I got the book, uh, which we still read to this day in the gym. Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success and that one is actually by coach wooden and then coach troy got me a book called wooden and it's like the lifetime a lifetimes of observations on and off the court that is really really good but anything i've read so many coach wooden books he really was the greatest coach of all time he was he really was the greatest coach of all time and you know he had his pyramid blocks and you know it starts off with hard work And industriousness, right? You need to be a hard worker with proper planning in order to be successful. Next, you need to move on to, to, you have to be enthusiastic. You truly have to enjoy what you're doing. Then he builds his people blocks and you have loyalty and cooperation and friendship, right? And he says, you have to build, if you're going to be successful, you have to be able to rely on other people. And he just goes and builds this perfect pyramid on everything you need character-wise to really be a good person. And so our program you know we go through the we go through all the character blocks and go hey you know you need to have this and you know the little kids there's no one called inch and miles which is the pyramid of success but it's written it's a kids book so you know with the youth teams or or minis we go through inch and miles and you know instead of industriousness it says hard work and i can't remember some of the other words get substituted out cuz they're a little bit bigger. i think um condition gets substituted out for action maybe or no initiative gets uh substituted out for action so anyway but anything coach Wooden, not you need to get your hands on you need to read he he really was the best coach has a huge influence on my coaching style uh book number three uh what drives winning so that was another really good book that was the book i read this year that I just had that light bulb moment when I was like, we got that. We got away from doing what we always do. We got away from the person, like building the person from the inside. Cause I was such a huge Coach Wooden fan and started reading all these other books and started really applying these other things I really liked. But what drives winning really brought everything back to oh, yeah, we need to get back to this. Cause that book really emphasized that without character, you can't be anything, right? And, and it's so crazy because Coach wouldn't emphasize that so much, but he didn't actually say those. Where he just said, "If you're going to be successful, you need to be a hard worker." Yeah, yeah, okay. If you're going to be successful, you need to be enthusiastic. Awesome. If you're going to be successful, you have to have competitive greatness. But this book went back and said, "Yeah, but if you don't, right? If you don't have character, right? If you're not a hard worker, it doesn't matter how good the game plan is." you're not going to execute. So you need to really make sure that you emphasize all these things. So What Drives Winning was so, so good. It had lots of journal entries. So we, then we started taking a lot of the entries directly from that book and had, this is actually a really cool thing. I do not think I said this on the podcast before, but we would, it talked about being a competitor and the word competitor means, right? To strive together with someone else. Well, if you, you want, it talked about these two different things. Two different sets of words. The first set of words were words that basically a coach would want from the athlete. We want athletes to be hard workers. We want athletes to be enthusiastic. We want athletes to be positive, right? And then it was a set, set of words that basically your teammates would want you to be. We uh, And teammates want their teammates to be supportive and encouraging and empathetic, right? And had all these lists of words that teammates would want. And one of them was competitive. Coaches want their athletes to be competitive, want them to strive to be and to give their best. And it said like the the origins of the word competitive means like strive along with someone else. So you always run faster when you're running next to someone else. If you run next to someone else, they will push you to be your best. And in order for the team to be their best, it's not about that kid being the best kid on the team, but about that kid giving their very best effort and adding their effort and talent to the team, whether or not they are The very best or not we need everyone to be at their best and it says your competition right when you compete against someone they bring out the best in you and we've talked about this on other shows but they bring out the best in you and one of the things they did was they would write a letter to the team they just played now they're playing traditional sports i think the example in this one was soccer And so, you know, they're playing one versus one, University of Florida versus the University of South Carolina, right? But when the University of Florida, when they were done, University of Florida is the team that was going through the book or going through these words. So when they were done, they would write a letter to the University of South Carolina. Now, they wouldn't actually send it to them, but they would just like, you know, keep it for themselves. But it was it was to like explain they were supposed to write what they learned facing them. So I had the kids do that. Right. When we won NCA, I was like, all right, now write a, we're going to write a letter to you can write a letter either to NCA or you can write a letter to the team, you know, that got second. Right. So we wrote letters and it's like, you know, during NCA, during this process, we learned that we needed to and I'll you know, I'll name some things I learned. Right. During that process, I learned that we needed to focus on character. When we, we we're also talking about, we need to focus on being mentally tough, right? And so there's all these different things that during that competition, I learned. And if it wasn't for that competition being there, I wouldn't have learned those things or had to like relearn them and reinforce them. So that was one thing we started doing with the kids after like I got a hold of that book. Uh, the next book would be, you Win the Locker Room First, really good book. A lot of coaches ask about how to build culture. You Win the Locker Room First is a really good book about building culture. And it's, that's where I got, there's a saying that I've said, I always say this, I like varsity to you, but when you get a feeling in your heart or, you know, when you get a thought, you know, in your head, that feeling goes to your heart and it, it goes to all of the cells in your, in, in your body and then emits up to 10 feet, you know, from you. And so people around you know if you are, if you believe in them or if you are feeling courageous or cowardly or whatever. So it's like, so what are you, what are you omitting to, not omitting, what are you, yeah, emitting to your team? Can't think of the word, which one it is. But what are you giving off to your team, right? And it just talked about different ways to build your culture. I actually got another really good quote from there, probably use it as a quote of the week. But um, expect culture um, drives expectations and habits. Expect expectations and habits. Sorry, culture drives expectations, or drives beliefs. Beliefs drives expectations and habits. Habits create the future. I totally butchered the quote, but. That's how it goes. Yeah, and it I remember
1: with, that quote. Though. It all
0: starts with culture. So that's from that book. Really good book about building culture. Um, the next book, our first cheer, our first cheer and only cheer specific book. Unblocked by Jeff Benson. Shout out to Jeff Benson. His uh, episode is somewhere down, you know, in there somewhere. But Jeff Benson, all about mental blocks, coaching athletes through mental blocks Preventing Athletes from Getting Mental Blocks, um, Why a Mental Block Shouldn't Be Looked at as a Bad Thing. Really, really good book. And it is a step-by-step process on how you can, again, try to get over a mental block and what a mental block actually is. So really, really good book. And it's cheer-specific. All these other books usually have to you know, you you know, that one, it was a soccer team, right? And we don't do one versus one soccer team. So we had kind of got to change it a little bit. So none of these other books are cheer specific. This one was cheer specific. So you still have to change some things to fit your your team and your dynamic, but it was really, really good book. So if you have an athlete struggling with a mental block, or you have athletes in your program struggling with mental blocks, I would highly suggest getting that book. I know he has workbooks coming out soon and I know he does clinics and stuff like that. So Jeff Benson's awesome. Great resource. Uh, next one. Now we get into actually um, building skills in athletes. First one is the talent code, Daniel Coyle. So that's a really good book. That was one of the first books I read about actually building skill and talent code was about. Talent code. The subtitle it was like ta- the talent code. Um, talent is created, not born. And it just talked about how to build skills in kids, or not in kids, but just in general. And so the premise of the Talent Code was that it went to different hotbeds across the world and tried to figure out what they were doing to build. Like, why was talent just sprouting there? Like, why, why do the greatest soccer players in the world come from Brazil? Like, why are they all of a sudden just coming from Brazil? Why do the greatest uh, tennis players in the world come from Russia? right? Why do the best music, you know, the best people in music all come out of this one studio in Dallas, right? I was like, um, what was Ashley Simpson? Not Ashley Simpson. What was the, the girl's name? Jessica Simpson.
1: Jessica Simpson?
0: Yeah. So it's like, you know, why did all these people, it was like Jessica Simpson and a few other people all came from like this one like place. Like, so what are they doing there that's allowing them just to build this, this talent, right? Um, why are the best baseball players coming from the Dominican Republic? So... He went and like visited all these places and just dug deep on, okay, well, what's going on here? What's going on there? And okay, they're doing, you know, here's what they're doing there. So a lot of things we do at practice are really based on that book, the talent code and how to build, you know, talent, right? And so that was a really good book. Read that years ago. That was one of the books that coach Troy and I talked about where we were doing things. We're turning off the lights on the kids and all this craziness. But really good stuff. Next one is Practice Perfect. Really good book. Again, all of these are going to be in the, the show notes. But Practice Perfect, really, really good book. It was about the 42 rules that you need to actually, again, have perfect practices. So it was a good book about how to, because some of these books, again, are talking to you as if you are the athlete but practice perfect was talking to you is it's really meant for teachers and coaches so that was that's what i really liked about that i had to like trans i had to translate it it was already speaking to me so but it's about how to teach athletes and how to teach your other coaches how to be great right and so 42 rules one thing I really liked is that you have to name everything. Everything should have a name. So earlier I talked about some of the foundational skills, like we do a drill called Drop Lock, and we do a drill, we, we do the J Up drill, right? But it says when you name a skill, that's like one of the rules: name everything that you do. When you name it, then you're able to have it come up in conversations, and it saves time efficiently, and everyone knows what you're talking about. You have a you then start to create a common language between your athletes and your coaching staff. So when I look at it, when I look at an athlete and go, "Oh yeah, they're not they're not using their legs enough." I go either to our coaching staff, right? If I'm looking at Junior White, you know, a team that I don't coach. If I'm looking at Junior White and notice that they're not using their legs enough, I look at Bailey and go, "Hey, they need to do more drop block drill at their at their practices." And Bailey knows exactly what drill that is. Then Bailey can go to practice and go, "Hey guys, we're going to do the drop block drill." five times in between each stunt, right? And all the kids know what the drop block drill is. Opposed to me going, hey, they need to use their legs more at practice. They should do that one drill. Remember that one time when we lift the kid up and then we drop the legs and they lock up their arms and they do that? Yeah, have them do that at practice. Wait, this one? No, 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 not that one. This one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes to her practice. Hey guys, we're gonna do that one drill that she did. This drill? No, 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 not that drill. She's gonna do this drill. Right. And so when we have, when we give ourselves a common language, then it makes things more efficient. And I mean, but there's a bunch of rules in there. Really, really good book. It is, again, really influenced the way that that I've coached. And last one with winning in mind. So this one was more about being mentally tough and about how to handle pressure situations and about focusing Focusing on the process. So it's about not trusting the process, but we're talking about the process of, right, when you do a stunt, like focusing on the process means you're focused on having your hand, your, your grips, you're focused on your timing, you're focused on locking out your arms. So instead of focusing on the outcome, like, oh, I hope we win today's competition, you're focused on the things it takes to actually win the competition. And when you stay focused on that, you can stay in your conscious mind. Or sorry, you can stay if you fill your conscious mind with the things you're supposed to focus on. You allow underneath your subconscious mind to take over. And really good book. I tried to. I didn't. I didn't arrange those in. So with winning in mind was really really good. So I didn't arrange those in like the order of how I like them. I kind of arranged them in the order that you should probably read them because you want to build... One, you need to know how to talk to people. Then you want to get... Then we get into like kind of the character of of like, you know, how to build up the person inside the athlete. And then the culture. I guess you can switch culture and people. It depends on, I, I guess, you know, read them back to back. And then we talk about actually how to build skills. So we have like the... And one's a transition because it's the, the mental block one. And then we talk about how to actually build skills, and then we talk about how to actually perform those skills in front of people. So there you go. There's our our book list. Again, link will be in the show notes if you want to buy or check out any of those books. That way you do have to say, well, who's it by? Is it is you know, people going to DM me, screenshots. Well, that's the wrong book, people. So you just go click on the link, and there you go. So that's our book list. I'm not sure if you want to add anything to that, B, but, you know.
1: I actually told you about, I'm not like a huge book reader, but um, when I was working in the corporate world, we had to read this book and I mentioned it to you, like probably last year, you should like read this book. Um, So it's called QBQ, The Question Behind the Question by John G. Miller. And I think this, like that book, this book in particular is like an all around book um, for I mean, it could help you at your work life, your personal life, you know, cheerleading life, anything like that. I know it really helped me. Some, I was like, I don't really agree with that, but that's another um, good book that is aside from cheerleading.
0: There we go. It's like, I didn't really agree with it, but you can read it.
1: <laughs> I, I agreed with some parts, but some parts I didn't.
0: Hey, so. like we said a couple of weeks ago, we're trying to create conversations, not converts, you know?
1: And That is exactly what this book is more so about, but it was pretty interesting to just see like a different perspective, so yeah you for know, sure. add that one to the list because
0: that's what you want to do. What, what I like about that is that you said, you know I didn't agree with everything. it's not like I agree with everything these books say, but what I do like mm-hmm. is you know I'm reading it, I come to an interesting idea, I put the fa- I put the book down you know face down, and I just sit and think for five minutes about you know and I wrestle back and forth with myself about what I just read and how can I apply that? Or do I agree with that? No, I don't agree with that, you know? And so that's what you're really trying to do because reading sparks creativity and and it might not be that exact thing, but a thought can lead to another thought, which leads to another thought, which is actually a really good idea that works for you in your situation. And so that's really what you want to do when you read books is like, just open your mind to thinking outside of the box and start thinking in different directions, which again, that's what leads to these other, you know, cool ideas. So I can talk about any of these books all day long. Cause they were, these books are really, really good. And they're the ones I think apply a lot to cheer. But there's a ton of other good books that I take like leadership books or even marketing books I use and go, Oh man, like that's a really good thing I can use for, for cheer. Anyway. All right, B. Um, Let's hop over to this. B, what's uh, what's okay, popping with here. the parents?
1: <laughs> Whoever sent that in did a fabulous job. I really like that. That is a good little thing. Okay, so what's popping with the parents? Um, this episode, we have a um, you know little scenario. So I saw this on one of the cheer Rom pages. Just thought we should address it. So she says, so wrong when a gym uses their parents to go around and recruit athletes from other gyms. You know who you are. Another adult actually texted my child at 12.30 a.m. and tried to bribe her that they would pay for her to go. I'm assuming to go to another gym. Really, is this the level you would stoop to? You should be ashamed of yourself. This afternoon, I will be calling your gym and informing them what is being done. So uh
0: lots to unpack there lots to unpack it always is right the the parent questions i'm always like there's, there's lots to unpack there <laughs> <laughs> lots to unpack in that one so you know there is there's a lot to unpack um first i will say this it is 100% my opinion inappropriate for you know late night text messages right like isn't there like a res- uh Quiet hours time frame. Right, time frame when yeah. it's you know, I hate texting people late at night. I really do. Um, I do if I absolutely have to. Sometimes I do it and, and not kids. I won't text kids late at night. Sometimes I'll text an adult because I know I forget. And I'm like, the only reason I'm texting you this late at night is because I will forget by the time we get to the morning. And it's going be another week before I, you know, I remember this, but I try to be super respectful of, of quiet hours. And there is virtually nothing that can be that pressing for me. Or to text an athlete at 12.30, you know, a.m., right? Unless it's an emergency, but why am I texting them, right? Call their parent, right? Yeah. And, you know, what's going on? So, anyway. So, that's all I want to think. Oh, Jason agrees with parents texting other kids at 12.30 a.m. I don't, you know. But we'll we'll start here. Um, so, the scenario basically is an athlete, or sorry, a parent from one gym has been reaching out to athletes at another gym, trying to get them to come on over. And the mom thinks that is inappropriate and, you know, upset about it. Okay. So Mm -hmm. where do we go? I think, so the first thing is, you know, recruiting is a weird, is a weird thing. Because you can do it in all facets of life. Facets of life, except for it is. I'm not. It, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's in like the bylaw. It's in like the code of conduct that you say you won't recruit people. I think like USASF that says like you won't recruit other athletes. I'm not actually sure. It could be outlawed. Someone let me know if it's like actually in the comments. Let me know if it's actually like outlawed. I know it's like frowned upon that coaches shouldn't reach out to other athletes and, you know, try to get them to come to their gym or whatever. So I don't recruit athletes that are part of another gym. Not you know, won't do it, never done it, won't recruit athletes that are currently a part of another gym. If a parent reaches out to me, hey, Jason, I'm interested in getting some information on your program. Hey, thank you so much. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, blah, blah, blah. We're brand new. We've never cheered before. Awesome. Continue with the conversation. If a parent says, hey, yeah, I cheer at the gym down the street. I go, Hey, you know, I try to put an end to the conversation right then and there and just let them know that they can reach out to me when their season is over, right? And I'll give them, you know, basic information, but I won't, I'll give them information on next year's season if they're asking for it, but I won't actively recruit them. Sometimes this is what happens. I guess there's two different scenarios. Sometimes a parent who is actively a part of a gym wants to come over in the middle of the season. I will deny that and tell them to reach out to me you know, later, but you're not coming. I I make it perfectly clear that you're not coming in the middle of this season. Now, if they quit and then reach out to me, then it's an open market. You know, I'm not leaving kids on the streets because Mm -hmm. they used to cheer for you. So, you know, of course, we'll try to find a spot for, you know, free agents, right? Um as far as parents recruiting other families that yeah. that's a sticky it's not sticky here's it's not sticky here's what it is here's what makes it weird not weird here's what makes it blurry it is i just told the story not too long ago about how i cheered at one gym so i played football mm-hmm. with a, a you know another boy my sister cheered with the daughter in Pop Warner. So I did Marietta Valley Pop Warner football with a boy. My sister did Marietta Valley Pop Warner with the daughter. And so they cheered together. We played football together. So our families were friends, right? And we went to the same high school and, you know, the whole thing. I eventually joined All-Star Cheer. And so now me and my sister are at one gym. They're another gym. But our families are friends. And so I told this story about how the one parent is trying to recruit my mom to come to the other gym. And hindsight, I don't think there's anything wrong with that scenario that these two friends know each other, they have a relationship, and one is trying to say, hey, you should come over to our gym. I, I don't, honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that scenario, these two friends talking, and one's trying to convince the other one to come to the gym. What I would, what I do find a little sus. Is if a parent is, you know, on Instagram, DMing a bunch of kids that she doesn't know, right? DMing a bunch of families that she doesn't know and recruiting them to come over to the gym. I think that's a little sus right there, right? Um, But I don't have a problem with, with people who know each other talking to each other about their, you know what they have going on at their gym and they should come over. Now, obviously we want to keep it respectful and we want to keep it, you know, we want to do things with integrity, but you know, I think the biggest problem I find in cheer that's a little hypocritical is that we are so against families like gyms recruiting other athletes we, oh, well, let me reframe that. We are so against gyms recruiting other cheer athletes, but not against it when the athletes are part of a taekwondo, you know, where they're part of a dojo, right? Or if they're part of the soccer program or if they're part of the local basketball program. Like, we are perfectly fine recruiting all those other athletes, but it's like taboo to recruit other cheer athletes. Like, I don't, I don't understand what the difference is between those two things right um i'm not sure where we draw the line i'm not sure why we say it's okay to recruit kids who are currently a part of soccer and a part of club soccer but it's not okay to recruit kids who are a part of all-star cheer now i'm not saying that i do it because i don't right but it it I feel like it is a little hypocritical to say that we can recruit these kids who are already a part of a sport, but we can't recruit these kids who are already a part of a sport. Um, I don't know. So, Oh, and I, and I will, no, go ahead, B.
1: What would you do if, if, if this was our gym and this this were our in and if this was our scenario and maybe not me as the parent, maybe somebody else as the parent, how would your reaction be if you know Susie's mom from uh the gym down the street came to you and is telling you this situation?
0: Um, well actually something like this well kinda happened. A mom reached out to me and said, We had just, this is our first couple years at American. It's like year three, maybe. And year three, we got a bunch of kids from the other gym that came over. And, you know, I don't really know any of them, right? They all come over and they're trying out or whatever. And one mom messaged me and was, you know, wrote me this whole thing about mo- some mom in our program doing whatever. I just ignored her. Like, Y'all are adults. Handle your own business. Like, if y'all got beef with each other and she's like, she came over to our gym telling everyone to go over there. That ain't, ain't my business. Like, for real. It's not even my business. I don't even know that lady. Like, really? I have no idea how true it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't hear anything from them. But if I if I heard this, right, hey Jason, the way the the message came off, it came off as just drama. It didn't come off as like a professional.
1: person
0: attitude like that the the post that you just read to me it at least came off as someone who was frustrated about the situation but it didn't come off as like drama you know and, you yeah. know in cheer I have to deal with a lot of drama it's not like I don't know what drama is but the original post I got just came off as just this is just drama that you're just trying to get me involved in and if I would have gotten something like that Hey, you have a mom in your program who's been contacting, right, my kid specifically at 1230, right? That's something I have to address. Now, as I've said before, I need to address it as if the parent I'm going to be talking to is 100% innocent and that she did things for the right reasons, right? Hey, Susie, Susie's mother, Keisha, nope. This ain't gonna be on no black. This ain't gonna be on no black, mom. <laughs> oh my goodness! She says oh my goodness. We're going back to Susie. Susie, I hear. I got a message that said you were you reaching out to athletes at the other gym at twelve a.m. I'm not saying it's true. I just wanted to. I just wanted to let you know that I got this email. So I just want to hear your side of the story, right? And she'll tell me her side of the story, right? And and not that I can make a scenario up right now, but there, it's very possible that there's a scenario where it made sense that she was texting her at 1230 AM, why she should come over to the gym. What if the other athlete initiated the, initiated the conversation, right? She initiated the conversation. It's like, I, I, I can't stand my gym. My mom won't let me leave because they give her free tuition, but I really don't want to be at this gym anymore. Okay. Okay. I I totally understand, you know, what if we figured out a way to pay for you, right? And that's something where I go, okay, well, it doesn't seem as so wrong as it did before in the initial email, right? So I think you just have to, you have to, you can't just, you know, situations should be handled situationally, you know? and. You know, I'm not saying that anyone is right or wrong, but so if that were me, I would do some digging to try to get information more than just the email I just received that said you're recruiting. Now, maybe the mom's like, yeah, it's just the way I do business. I'm shady and I don't care. I want the best. I I want the best (laughs) program for my daughter. And, you know, I'm trying to get that kid is super talented and she comes over here. It's going to change everything. And I don't care what I have to do to get that kid over here because she's awesome. Right. They go, well, you know, I appreciate your enthusiasm. You know, we can't go texting kids at 12.30 a.m. You know, and, and do you know, we've got to have some So if you want to recruit, I'm so glad that you are enthusiastic about our American cheer brand. But we have to do things with integrity. We can't just go reaching out to random kids at 12.30 a.m. Now, if you want to wear your American stuff loud and proud, you want to post on your Facebook, you know, about how much – fun you're having at american and if you have any questions to reach out to me like i'm perfectly okay with that but we can't reach out to individual athletes at 12 a.m and you know or whatever you know i'm just making things up right now so yeah you know i get you there you go i don't know what, what about you b give us give us your two cents um and don't be getting why are you getting caught texting people at 12:30 a.m b i told you about that <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, right. Uh you know darn well that my booty is in bed sleeping cuz sometimes you'll get out of practice and like think of something that like, you know, for the pod the next day and you'll text it to me and it's like 9:30 at night and I won't respond till like the next day.
0: <laughs> I know. You're such an old lady. I'm almost like it's after practice. She's not awake. Like I'm a, I'm wide awake. <laughs> like she's not awake. She's like not okay, whatever. <laughs> We'll talk tomorrow morning.
1: I'll see it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see it tomorrow. Um, I I I like listening to more calming for me in my reaction if I listen to what you have to say before I say something, because at first without listening to you, I was like, Oh no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like this lady is not gonna be texting my kid at twelve thirty at night. Like, what in the world is wrong with you? But When you said you know the kid might have initiated the conversation, that is like you know what you didn't like didn't even think about that like did the kid and the kid might not have but um I don't know I kind of think there may be like some underlying issues of you know has there been mentioned that the that family or that athlete isn't happy at their current gym Um, or is this parent just crazy and just we want you over here. Maybe the athlete's really good and we really want that athlete at our program. So uh, I think there's more things behind it, but I also think it was pretty responsible of a parent to, you know, just say, I'm going to be contacting your gym. Um, But I also agree with what you said, like you guys are adults. Like, come on now.
0: You know, and you know, what is, and I'm not saying that the kid actually contact it's, you know, I don't know who did what, but I think what yeah. I do know is that when people send emails or write posts like that, they don't always give the full story. They give the story that puts them in the best light, that either makes them look the best or makes them look the most sympathetic. And that's what people usually do in emails and you know posts like that, is they leave out some information that would make the story make more sense from the outsider looking in like why the other person would act in such a way. Now, sometimes yeah. the other person on the other side of the situation really just is crazy. They're just rude or, you know, they don't care about anything and they really are. Text, you know, somehow they got a a, a hold of the the kids roster and they're just texting everyone at 12:30 a.m., right? So, you know, that's very possible as well, but we tend to think not not everyone is crazy. Let's try to give someone a benefit of the doubt. Hear the story, and then make, um, you know, make adjustments from there. Not adjustments, but you know, yeah. whatever you have to do from there. So, if I were that mom, yeah, I'd probably reach out to the gym. If I were that mom, I probably would reach out to the gym and say, "Hey, like, this mom has been contacting my my daughter. We're really happy with where we are, and I would just appreciate it if you, like." just talk to her about that situation, right? And I would be perfectly okay with that email. Hey, I totally understand. I don't want kid, you know, I'm glad that you guys are happy where you are. I'm glad that she's happy where she is, but she doesn't need to be reaching out to your daughter and, you know, whatever. We're in the middle of a season, right? I guess we're not in the middle of a season right now, but, you know, right? So anyway, yeah. um, quote of the week. You ready to hop into that, B? Yeah. And we'll just, I guess we can end after that. So the quote of the week, I'm going to read this. This is from another book. Coach Josh got me this book. I really like it. It is called, so if you want to add this to your coaching, you know, the list of books you want to buy, The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. So a really good book. I've really enjoyed it so far. But so far, this like first part of the book is talking about resistance. And resistance is like painted as anything that like slows you down. So it says anytime you have like a big goal in mind, resistance will come. So if you want to lose weight, there will be resistance. And it's like this. Let me read the quote and then talk about it, I guess. So yeah. resistance will tell you anything from keeping you from doing your work. It will perjure, fabricate, falsify, seduce, bully, cajole, cajole, cajole. Resistance is protean. It will assume any form if that's what it takes to deceive you. It will reason with you like a lawyer or it will jam a 9 millimeter in your face like a stick-up man. Resistance has no conscience. It will pledge anything to get a deal, then double-cross you as soon as your back is turned. If you take resistance at its word, you deserve everything you get. Resistance is always lying and always full of BS, right? And it's just talking about, right, you want to lose weight. And so resistance will go, oh, yeah, well, you don't have to start eating healthy today. Like, you start eating healthy tomorrow. Oh, you don't need to go mm-hmm. to the gym today. You're, you're, aren't you a little sore? Can you feel that in your legs? You're a little sore right now. Yeah, yeah. Just go tomorrow. Wait until your legs are fully rested before you go to the gym again. And it will do like anything to get you to like slow down when you're trying to reach a specific goal. Oh, you can have one piece of cake. Like one piece of cake won't be bad for you, right? And it just talks about anytime you want to do something. So it it, like led, it just talks about all these different forms that resistance like takes. And that one like really like summed it up. So that's why I want to use as the code of the week. But I was just like, you know, thinking about ever since I've been reading about it, I've been thinking about all these different forms of resistance, right? I wake up, I'm, I'm back on my 5 a.m. wake-up calls. I remember for a while I was waking up at 5 a.m. and then I fell off the wagon, but I'm back on my 5 a.m. wake-up calls. So, you know, I've been waking up at 5 a.m. so that I can ha- start my day productively and do things with my day that I actually want to get accomplished. But, you know, it's easy to wake up at 5 And resistance is like, don't you want to check Facebook though right now? I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of do actually. Right. And (laughs) right. But resistance wants you to do all of these things. It says resistance just comes in so many different forms to distract you. Like, you know, and so I've just loved it. And so I'm just, I wanted to share that with everyone. Resist resistance, Mm -hmm. you know, like don't give in to resistance. Like, All of us have so many different goals we want to reach with our lives, but resistance like doesn't care who you are, what your goals are. It wants to slow you down. So, you know, tell that inner voice in you to shut up and just keep moving. Hope you feel inspired. You know, there you go. Good quote. Love that quote. So anyway, all right, guys, um, take the survey. Do you everything else anything else we need to talk about B? No, I don't think so. There we go B this is a good one. Good stuff good yeah. stuff good stuff. keep sending in those questions of the week um and subscribe if it's your first time here, definitely subscribe. do all that good stuff. you guys know what to do we'll we'll leave you. We'll let you guys go. five six, seven eight we're out We're out. Gym owners, directors, coaches, can you relate to this? You say to yourself, this season is going to be different. We're going to get all of our teams on the same page. Or maybe you're saying, we're going to get all of our coaches on the same page. You look out as the teams are practicing, or maybe as they are competing, and you know you can do more. Let me help you. I work with several gyms, large and small, each season, whether it's the summer and we do a coaches' clinic or a stunt camp, or it's during the season and we do an in-person routine cleaning. I even do routine video reviews if you're just looking for some thorough feedback of the routine. You send me your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with everything I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I have worked with have gone on to be world champions, NCAA All-Star champions, NCAA Collegiate champions, Summit champions, and D2 Summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at jasonlarkins@me.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Jason Larkins. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.